Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On 882-6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Generations of excellence since 1888. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. In this episode, we're going to meet and get to know a little better an absolute uh, sporting legend uh, in this state and indeed uh, in the country, uh, if not the entire world, particularly if you uh, uh, have an interest in the, uh, in the sport of water polo. But uh, all things aquatic, uh, the name Tom Hode uh, goes with Australian swimming synonymously. So would you please welcome Tom Hode. G'day, Tom. Thanks Morning. for being with us. Tim, how are you? I'm well, thanks. I didn't like how to be about Bower and O'Day. I don't know whether that's You know, you're not the first to mention that. Brought in because they think I'm on death's door. <laughs> uh, God rest his soul, Joe O'Day was all... I saw him at more funerals around Perth than any man I know. <laughs> this is not your obit, Tom. Okay, that's Do right. not worry. We're not going to jinx you here, I promise you. Um, Tom, you've been uh, described by by some as the Kevin Sheedy of water polo. How do you feel about that? You're not going to wave your jacket in the studio, are you? No, I certainly am not. <laughs> I mean, uh, he actually, I, I met him. He's a nice man. And uh, I think there was a, there's a fair, football is so big, there's so yeah. much theatrics in it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he's still involved. Yeah. I'm always uh, interested to... To, to get to know how people uh, end up in sports that are not necessarily mainstream mm. sports. You know, as a youngster, how do you gravitate towards uh, a sport like water polo that is not one of those mass participation sports? No. Where did it come it, from? It, it, it's quite popular. It had – we swam in the swimming club. that I was born and bred in East Fremantle and the Melville Swimming Club in the Bicton Bars and two jetties down there it was founded – and water polo was founded post-war by all the football identities. Jack Sheedy, uh, Merv Cowan uh, from East Fremantle and uh, Frank Woods and the Calders from South Fremantle, they were all, they were all, it all came out of the uh, Second World War. They, when they returned, they t- they'd been uh, initiated into water polo in, in the armed services somewhere in the Mediterranean and they came back and started out of the swimming club, and we grew a very strong water polo tradition it, at Melville, and then we built our own pool down there. So I played footy also, and frankly, it was probably up till about 15 or 16, my my favourite sport. My father was a, a president of the East Fremantle Footy Social Club, and he nearly had an apoplexy when I said, I'm not going <laughs> to play football anymore. I'm going to concentrate on my water polo. I went back and tried to play seconds, and I'd had a year off just yeah. for the Olympics and was very slow. Was water polo one of those things that you did uh, outside of footy season? To, yes, to keep because fit? in those days we didn't have we didn't have uh, 
uh, heated swimming pools. Beaton yeah. Park wasn't built till 1962 for the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. So we sw- swam and played water polo in the river in the summer and played footy in the winter. Yeah. Now the seasons are so intertwined and footy, as you know, they train all the year oh, round. Yeah. In those days they did nothing of the sort. Yeah. Um, and, and water polo, from what I understand, I mean, it, it's such an incredibly demanding Sport, isn't it? I mean, it's demanding physically, and it's got all the skill sets the ball handling, the swimming skills, the leg work, the physical activity. But unlike football, it, it its risk of, of serious injury is very minor because yep. the water softens all the blows. Whereas if I went around, I still have a swim and played last year in the World Masters in, in Budapest, and, and we won a gold medal. Uh, silly old blokes. Sillier than most of them, sillier than I was. But regardless, uh, you couldn't do that in football. If I no. went and tried to get a, have a kick in the street with my grandkids, I'd tear a muscle of some sort. And you and so that's yeah. much easier and softer. Yeah. And it's also because of lack of injury. It's swimming, particularly, you can do till you die. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> promise I, I wouldn't touch on that. You said it, Tom, not me. On the wrong thought. Sorry. So, look, I don't want to, uh, you know, give too much away, but you, you are, in terms of your age, you're in your late seventies now. Mm-hmm. You, you're very fit still. Um, I still swim and do a bit of exercise. Yeah, know? I mean, you're still you're still very heavily involved with water polo, aren't you? I'm still coaching at my club juniors and yep. uh, trying to in- inspire them, but it's difficult these days. There are so many. It's an amateur sport, completely amateur, which costs money to play, to participate also. The, we get a little bit of money from the Olympic movement uh, and from the Sports Commission to go overseas, but everywhere players interstate have to have to pay. And yep. So the attraction of other sports, particularly football, is so, so dominant now that uh, the kids have to be really outstanding to, to want to then go on mm. and make the sacrifices. I suppose hence your dad's uh, apoplexy when you yeah, suggested yeah, you totally. wanted to give away footy and, <laughs> and go to that. At what age did you realise that you were very gifted at it? Because we'll get to your achievements uh, in a bit, but four Olympics it, means you – well, four uh, Olympic Games would suggest that you, you possibly so are, Tom. <laughs> I, play, I started playing when I was 14 at the swimming club and played – First division at, at about 15, but I was a reasonably good swimmer. Yeah. Uh, I, I swam butterfly in the state titles and things and trained seriously swimming and then thought that this was better and had a bit of luck. I was very lucky inclusion as a young kid in the 60 Olympic Games and that then cemented it because I was trying out. I was an East Fremantle's training list the year before and I said, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm giving the, 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 the year away to go and um, concentrate on my water polo now that I've got a chance at the Olympic Games. So that was the start. And I w- then went and lived in Europe, studied in Europe mm. and played there and came back and coached and, and went on from there. Okay. And, and, and four Olympic Games uh, as a player. Yes. Uh, three of those, uh, you were captain of the, yes. of the side. And then, uh, and then another four after that as, as an Olympic coach. coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a long career. Your be, interest in water polo has, has never diminished, it would seem. Uh, well, uh, uh, I've seen it's more difficult now for us because we're not professional and we have become, or, or, and there's, as already said, so much competition in, uh, from other sports and the de- time demand. of It's now 12 months of the year training, the same as, I suppose, footy is. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the top echelon 
train all the year round, and in those days they didn't. So the the commitment is enormous. The cost is enormous on parents. We have to. Western Australia is is badly treated by the rest of Australia because we're geographically isolated. It's as simple mm. as that. Costs them a lot to participate in club championships, uh, state championships, everything else. Mm. So it's a big uh, it's a big demand, and a lot of the parents get sick of forking out the money, and yep. that becomes an issue. What are the participation numbers like? Here in well, they're, WI. Quite, they're quite good. For example, at my club at at Bicton, we have the biggest flippable, which is modified rules. It's similar to, to minky uh, hockey and Oz uh, uh, kick. We have nine hundred and fifty kids participating in summer on a Saturday, Friday night, and Saturday morning. Yeah, the right. biggest problem is just at just at Bicton, just really? at our our club alone. Wow! So uh, there is a, a strong base. The boys and girls play together, and it's a it's the parents come down. It's fantastic. But what we don't have enough pool space to then get those kids and to train them yep. like they do in Europe at an earlier age to develop the skill sets which are necessary, and they don't come back to the sport or don't really. They don't leave it, but they don't do anything serious until they're about 14, and already that's a little bit too late. It'll be like trying to be, become a footballer at, at 14. It, given that it still has its uh, amateur status, yes. uh, do you ever see that changing? And, and has that been something that you've been wishing would change over the years? Uh, we certainly need more funding, but we're a sport because of no television coverage and the dominance of cricket and footy in, in the media, for example, alone. In in my day, we got quite a bit of publicity in, in mm. Rupert quite a bit of publicity was regularly in the papers. Uh, but now uh, it's football all the year round. If mm. someone falls over and breaks a toe in the summer season, he gets a back page oh, right up in the press. Tell me about it. It's, uh, it's headline it's, news. It's headline yeah, news. And, no matter and, how trivial. No, it is. And that, that's a little bit of a tragedy. And it's difficult uh, to ch- – I couldn't see that changing and I don't believe we'll ever – we're not – they're trying to change the rules internationally now to make it more appealing to the man in the street. One of the difficulties is as a television sport – it doesn't come over as well as it, it should. It mm. doesn't show it. it. People find it difficult to understand. All right, Tom, we're going to have to uh, head to a break. After mm-hmm. that, though, I want to uh, get through some of your many, many uh, incredible achievements, some of the awards and cups and other attributes that are, uh, that are named in your honour. Uh, stacks to get through, Tom, so uh, we'll head to a break and uh, hear more about that after the break. This is WA's Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Back with more in a sec. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. And our special guest in this edition is the one and only Tom Hode. Uh, Tom, there's the Tom Hode Cup, the Tom Hode Medal. You've got pools, aquatic centres uh, named after you. Not many people can say that. Um, how how, how naming, does all that sit with you? I think the naming of the pool was uh, certainly not my idea and it was a result of, of, the, of bringing a couple of world championships here in 91 yeah, as, and 90. as you do. And uh, <laughs> the Tom Hode Cup, thing which has actually stopped at the moment unfortunately a few of the neighbours squawked and uh, that stopped a very good event that was on every year and was uh, very popular around the world and people wanted to come and I still get requests you're having it this year and we would like to revive it but the impetus was lost yeah and that 
that club name. That certainly had nothing to do with me. Can I ask you about the uh, the Tom Hode Aquatic Centre at uh, HBF uh, Stadium, the old Challenge Stadium? I mean, it's yes. had many names uh, over the years. Yes. Um, there's there's a story about uh, about you being there, perhaps uh, past uh, closing time, at one point, and you and you oh. pulled you you pulled a bit of rank. So that you could stay there, stay on a bit longer. No, I wasn't. I was. Can you, can you tell this story? I'm allowed to. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know how I got in. To be truthful, but I thought to hell with it. I'm there. I, it was during in the in the lead up to the World Swimming Championships, and for some unknown reason, it was closed at at a time it ought to have been open. Mm. And I can't recall, but I, I got in illegally and started swimming up and down. Well, I suppose and, when, you, when you're Tom Hode, you, you should have oh, the keys to the Tom Hode Aquatic Centre, well, shouldn't you? Well, uh, they give you some sort of a, a <laughs> life membership, but that still didn't – it must have set off an alarm and I ducked, I started duck diving when I realised <laughs> I set off the alarm and – and kept going, and they complained. It all came up on camera or something, and I got castigated by Ian Lawrence, who's a good friend of mine, who was chairman of the board. I was on the board of Challenge Jade. He said it wasn't a good look that one of the board members was having an illegal swim <laughs> at uh, Challenge Stadium. So, but so security guard came, did they? And they, they, and, and they, tried they, to. They have uh, you know these call out yeah. security, and they yeah. came and yeah. peering in, and well, I'm hiding in. Under and you're the like, board. I'm. I'm Actually, Tom Hart, no, I'm, I'm the guy who this pool was named after. I, 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 I can tell you another story, uh, uh, which is a true story. I I normally swim down at our own pool at Bicton because yes. it's quite warm. It's heated with thermal water and I like hot water. I've become a complete wuss in my old age. I won't go on anything under about 28. And one day I had, had, had to go up to, to Challenge Stadium for something. I can't recall, and I thought I might as well have my swim here. And at Challenge Stadium, unlike our, at our pool, they have the lanes divided into slow swimmers, yep. uh, medium swimmers, and the middle lane, lane four. And this is not so long ago, about three years ago, I reckon. And uh, the, the, there were a couple of old deers uh, walking in lane uh, in the slow lane, and the middle lane was taken up, and the fast lane was empty. So I dived in and then and paddled very slowly a couple of hundred metres and then came, I reckon, a woman about 34, looked as fit as all hell, had the water bottle, the, the kickboards, the flippers, the, the thing, and she was peering saying, what's this silly old fool doing in here? I'm sure that's what was – I looked it up. Anyway, she dived in and you go down like the traffic rules. You go mm. down the left and come back yep. the other side. And as I came into the turn – as she, I came in, I accidentally, very slightly touched the top of a bathing cap with my arm at the turn, and she threw down the board and said, listen, you silly old fart, will you get over in lane one where you belong? Wow. And what am I going to say? <laughs> so she's got flippers on. Yeah. So I've got out in my car, I used to go uh, spearfishing at the Abolis Islands, flippers <laughs> about this big. And I hope my, you didn't get the spear out, Tom. No, no, no. Revenge <laughs> is going through my mind. I've bit, not said a word, got out, dried myself, went and got the flippers, but I'm not so stupid because I don't know how far she's actually going. Yeah. But the plan is I'm going to go and say to her, listen, madam, will you get over, go past, or will you get over in the slow lane where you belong? That's the revenge going through my mind. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I've 
going to have a trial run. And as she turns, I've got down the other end in lane one. I'm just going to pace myself yep. to see whether I can actually go past her with mm. these big flippers. Mm. So I've gone like a bat out of hell. <laughs> as she's turned, I looked up and she's about five metres in front. And just at that moment, I got cramps. I hadn't used these flippers for about two years. And both <laughs> thighs was writhing on the wall, couldn't get them on, couldn't. They're gurgling, and they're on a lot of lifeguards looking over, sitting on the sail about two metres away, saying, Sir, are you perchance having a heart attack? <laughs> I said, when foul in Australian invective, if I was, I'd be, what's her name, dead by now. Uh, and by that time, I'd got one fin off and straightened out the leg, and then the other one, because they're about this long, yeah. and I've got there, and I'm lying in there, and he came up to me and said, Excuse me, sir, this is the Tom Hode Aquatic Centre for Excellence. I suggest you go in the diving pool and just swim up and down slowly. I took off my my flippers and walked away with my tail between my legs. Revenge had completely disappeared. Oh, no. I could swim forever. Surely that was the time to, no, to, to pull out your driver's license. He knew and didn't know me from a bar of soap. And I wasn't uh, going to open up either. I'd just been severely embarrassed. <laughs> On your swimming, is it, there's a, there's another legend. I feel like we're just uh, you know clearing up some of the uh, the Tom Hode legends and myths here. But uh, did you once swim five k's straight butterfly? In the I did it for a bet. A good friend of mine, Ron Day, who was a, a swimmer, said I was a butterfly swimmer down at Bicton, and I said I'm going to go on one of the swim throughs and do a butterfly. He said, you couldn't do butterfly in a swim through all the way because then you could today, but in those days it was was a new stroke and you could. And so I did it and he said, and I will bet you $5 that you can't do it nonstop. Yeah. And it the swim through Perth began in in Matilda Bay and went to to the uh, to the A rowing jetty and but there was a hell of a southerly blowing and choppy and I got a gob full of water as I was doing the fly once and stopped and had a big spit and Dayo wouldn't pay me the five bucks at the end because he said I had stopped. But at the end, I remember in those days, all they had was chalk milk and, and watermelon at the end for the athletes. And, you, you know, we were told you shouldn't have liquid yeah. Uh, in those days, it liquid. You didn't have liquid during a footy game. You had a half an orange at half time. Yeah. And so it was a completely different idea. Mm. And so I, my tongue was that thick at the end of it, and I s- whacked down seven chalk milk and all the watermelon <laughs> I could, and then went and heaved it up over the over the A and A jetty at the end of it. So it wasn't exactly. It wasn't exactly profitable. The bloke welched on the bet because he said I'd stopped and it was uh, all in vain. <laughs> See, in hindsight, when that uh, that young lady was uh, giving you a hard time in the pool, Tom, you should have challenged her to a, yeah, to yeah, a yeah. three she or four or 5K me. butterfly swim. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you've had such a strong Olympic involvement, but, you know, water polo, one of those sports, I think, comes up, you know, to, to most – Members of the public, something they might come across every every four years yes. when the Olympics are on. It's uh, the first team sport a, in the Olympic Games. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. I've learned something. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot of time to fill in between yes. them, and you're not able to commit yourself, you know, full time professionally uh, yes. to water polo. So, what were you doing all of those years? Well, I I was a teacher. I was a language teacher at Hale School, 
uh, for, for most of them under a, a great headmaster, Ken Tregoning, who was very generous in, in uh, allowing me to go to Olympics How did you fall into teaching then, Tom? Well, I, I went to university here and mm-hmm. did German at the University of WA. Even though I hadn't done German, uh, German at school, I did Latin and French. And then went and had an offer to play, not professionally, but to coach and play and go to Münster University in uh, West Germany, where I did effectively a, a, a master's degree, but but without the paper associated with it. And came back then and got a job as, as senior master of foreign languages at Hale School, where I, part of the extra curriculum, uh, everyone had a responsibility to do some sport, and I did the swimming and water polo teams for 13 years. And uh, it was a nice time. It was a great school. Uh, it's an even greater school now. They've got the best uh, school pool in, in the country, absolute, by, by far. And I'm still, I still coach water polo at Aquinas, my old school, and I got into trouble with the previous headmaster, who's a nice guy, when I told him ours was a horse trough with chlorine in it, uh, by comparison. <laughs> I, I know the headmaster you're talking about. We, we, won't, we won't name names, but uh, I can't imagine that went down very well. No, he thought he was, he took it, he didn't take it uh, with, <laughs> sense, uh, with the tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh, that I had intended, you took it as a bit uh, of an insult, but it was the truth, actually, and still is. In terms of your linguistic achievements, though, you're being very modest here. Tell us how many languages you speak. Oh, fluently, three, four, but I can get by. In, Which in is two city. or three more than most. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, some people struggle with the first language. So. Um, what are they? What do you speak? Obviously, English and German. English, German. My French is poor, but I can revive it quickly because I did it at Aquinas for six years. And uh, Italian, I speak well, understand quite a bit of Spanish and and uh, and can get by uh, with a little bit of a warm-up in most, of, like in a place like Romania where it's so yeah. simple, it's, it's, it's a, a Latin language. And then I did, a, did a Croatian and Serbian and... Frigging, frigging around at the moment with Russian. Why? Well, firstly, they say you don't get Alzheimer's disease if you study a language. Right. Now, I don't know whether it's true well, You're giving or not. yourself every chance to. Right. <laughs> I'm not getting it. Of so, not getting it, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and plus I'm interested, that's yeah. all. I've never done any of the Asian languages because, frankly, they're too difficult, as I mentioned in the pre-talk. Uh, but but the European languages are, are reasonably similar. Did you all... did you find yourself gravitating towards languages that uh, had a strong uh, water polo culture? Uh, well, yes. For, for practical uh, German, reasons, in those days, uh, it was the days of the divided Germany, DDR, uh, the German Democratic Republic, and West Germany, and we did a long uh, tour. Uh, in, uh, uh, t- through East Germany with, with our team in 1965. And I went up also when I was living in Germany to be the interpreter for the Australian swimming team when they went to Berlin. And in those days, I mean, the the drug, the East German uh, regime used at each morning, they got a vial of pills, all the German team, the East German team that we were travelling around with and playing against in three places, Gera. Leipzig and somewhere else, I've forgotten exactly. And uh, for sure they were anabolic steroids. Yeah. And it, it was almost – but the, the players, to be fair, didn't know. They were just told they were vitamin pills, they were good for this and that, 
and it was it was officially sanctioned, mm. and it did a lot of harm, not so much on the men, but on the women swimmers. Mm. Uh, they had horrible after effects, and mm. it all came out. And the, when the start, when the wall came down in, in ninety one, and uh, the Stasi, all the Stasi documents came out, and uh, they were the most thorough of all mm. the communist regime in in monitoring uh, the individuals' conversations and that. Mm. And even in Moscow, we we had a KGB man with us all the time. He right? said to us, and in '79 when we went there for the Spartak Yard, we had a KGB guy with us, and he used to ask us questions all the time. You know, what, about what's your view on Af- Afghanistan mm. and all the rest of it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've had some uh, strong things to say about uh, drug testing and, and drugs yes. and sports uh, in, in recent years as well. So I want to ask you about that after uh, yes, uh, we certainly. take a break. Uh, and also some of your achievements uh, as a sports administrator as well. Tom Hode is our special guest in this edition of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Baron O'Day here on 882 6PR. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Aquatic legend Tom Hode is our special guest in this edition. Tom, just before we get onto some of your uh, your many achievements uh, in sports administration, I want to ask you about another of these uh, legends that uh, mm-hmm. has been floating around in your name, but also another prominent West Australian in uh, Andrew Twiggy Forrest, because uh, you coached him. Uh, during your 13 years at Hale. Now, there's this story that he achieved great sporting triumph. Uh, one inter-school swimming carnival, the, the big one, the PSA yes. swimming carnival, uh, all down to him. I, I believe well, uh, he's been trading off this story for some time. This Can is you only, give us your version? Only anecdotally. He's never come to me and said, <laughs> I won the inters for Hale School. But the stories are circulated around Perth, certainly in the business circles. <laughs> he, we, to win, we had won it for 10 or 11 years in a row, I can't recall, and we were in danger. Christchurch had, or Scotch had a very, both had very strong teams. So, and in the inter-school sports, in both athletics and swimming, the relays decide everything. Oh, every, and the every, final events too, the, and the, the, the crowds event. on their it's feet. the last yep. event of the night, yep. and the points were, were quite even. And we'd put our strongest swimmers uh, uh, in the medley relay, which was held, you know, quite a bit beforehand. So and Twiggy you, was a, a pretty good swimmer. Yes, and you, and you couldn't swim twice. In other words, you could only participate in one relay. So if you put your best freestylers and your stroke swimmers, who were probably also good in the in the medley event, then uh, you had to then get your next four swimmers uh, to to swim in the freestyle, which was the last event of the night. And he was the last swimmer and won it by about one foot and we won by one point the inters. So from that, uh, the legend <laughs> perpetuated itself. Whether how much help by Andrew, I'm not sure. But where he said he he won the swimming for inters in in whatever year it was, I can't so recall he's, anymore. He's kind of right. Uh, it's possible. He's right. kind of right. He might have embellished <laughs> yes, a little bit, but you know well, that's he's okay. Allowed to, and we'll uh, we'll give him that, that goes one. With history, when you're mm. your school days. Now, look, we we, we talked about uh, Challenge Stadium yes. uh, or HBF Stadium um, before, but uh, and you know the fact that you've got the Aquatic Centre there named in your honour. Uh, but in terms of actually getting that facility built in the first place, you were instrumental in, in getting that yes. built. 
Uh, how did that process go? Was, well, that, was, was that a real the late Wally Foreman, a real battle? Uh, myself, I was then president of the West Australian Sports Federation and John Bloomfield, and uh, we got the – firstly, it was only – we had Beatty Park, of mm. course, but it was only going to be the, the indoor stadium, the basketball, uh, the dry centre, and we went along and heavily uh, lobbied uh, the government to get an aquatic centre put in the, the indoor pool – and uh, another guy, Michael Aitken, who was with the uh, with the Sports Federation as the CEO, and uh, that we got that through, and then we went to FINA in in Madrid in '86 and lobbied to get the World Swimming Championships in '91. And Graham Edwards was then the Minister for Sport in the, in the in the Burke government. And we went over, and his counterpart, the Federal Minister of Sport, was Graham Richardson, Richardson mm. who's now the political uh, uh, commentator on the East Coast. And he gave us $3 million, so we got the two extra 50-metre uh, pools built outside. Uh, we for, were going, for $3 million bucks. For $3 Jeez, million you wouldn't, even, bucks. you wouldn't even get a fence built around you, it for $3 million bucks right. now. You wouldn't get a fence built around it. And uh, it was a very successful uh, World Championships uh, we came in under budget, and the but none of the television, neither of the major commercial television stations, seven or nine, would touch it. They said no, it won't have. And ABC, we had to pay them a considerable amount of money because part of the process was you had to give off the the local uh, stream so that could be shown worldwide, and that was our cost. And we paid them something like six hundred thousand dollars. But it rated the socks off at mm. that time. There were we had the Thorpes and and fantastic swimmers just coming on, and and Australian swimming was very very strong, and that carried the 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 other sports as well, and so it was a a, a huge success. And in 1998, we had the chance to get it again, and I went to Norman Moore, who was then the Minister for Sport, and I said to him, we can, I can get you the next World Swimming Championships, but we have to buy out News Corporation's 50% share of the professional rights, $2.5 million. And this is, he didn't say it while I was there, but as I left the room, he said to his offsider, Hallam Pereira, that guy should be totally locked up. He's insane. <laughs> Does he think a government is going to buy New Murdoch, one of the wealthiest men in the world, $2.5 million dollars, to get 50% of the commercial rights to get a World Swimming Championships. But bit by bit, he warmed to the idea, then took it to Cabinet, and Cabinet approved it, and mm. we got the next one. And uh, so that was a big coup to have two World Swimming Championships, and we got them by today's standards for a song. Yeah. You have to lay to make a bid now to FINA, all these big international federations want money, and the only way they can get it is to sell it. You have to lay $10 million on the table, which is non-refundable. Yeah. Non-refundable. We didn't – we put, I can't remember, 500000 or a million maximum up. Yeah. And it was also very successful. It, the way you describe it, though, you know, when you go to, to, to Norman Moore and say, I can get you – the World Swimming Championships in Perth. You've got to have a bit of clout on the international well, stage to be able to do that. So how did you achieve that sort of status, Tom? Well, the guy who's the executive director of uh, FINA, the World Swimming Body, 
Cornell Mark Alescu played water polo against me. He was a Romanian, played water polo in, a, in two or three Olympics against me. So mm. we knew each other very well. And we ran a good first one. And I said, I think we can get two. Mm. And actually, in the interim, well, a few years back, we rang up. Uh, he rang me up and said, uh, Dubai has pulled out. Do you want to have a crack? Because one thing we have here, we've already got all the facilities. But Events Cool had a look at it and it said, oh, you've got to put $5 million up front. I said, no, you don't. They've already got that from Dubai. They've pulled the pin. Mm-hmm. And and they've got their $5 million deposit. Do you want to make a bid? And they all came back. No, they were too negative about it. And they gave it to Barcelona, who'd also had one previously, for nothing. Mm. For nothing. Nowadays, huge. Yeah. Budapest built towers on the Danube and 225 million it cost them. It's, uh, the whole uh, administration of, of sports, not yes. just swimming, but uh, at that elite level, you know, talking about the IOC, FIFA. I don't know much about FINA and the machinations of, of FINA, well, but there's a there's there's a lot of shifty, shady deals that go yeah, on at, at that level. Is swimming immune from that, or no, is it not at all? Thomas uh, Jaffa, who's a big uh, r- r- television uh, operator, has just been arrested in uh, in Budapest for uh, for being behind an assassination of a of a television station owner. <laughs> Nine years after the event, it was rumoured before came back. Another one, it, it, look, there are good people in it for yeah. genuine reasons, but there are others in it for their, for their own. Yeah. And, you know, we went through the boycott of 1980 where we participated in Moscow. Yep. And uh, the hypocrisy around that, it, it annoyed the hell out of me. I mean, one of the craziest and most bizarre parts, we were told by the Olympic Federation that when we went there, we weren't allowed to show any commercial sponsorship at all. And Adidas was a, a, a tracksuit sponsors and had the three Adidas stripes, which is a trademark of Adidas. Mm. We had to turn all the gear inside out. I mean, I look back and thought, for what? <laughs> and it was so stupid, the boycott that we that the Americans even went at it. Carter, who, who was the instrumental in it, was the least, one of the least bellicose of, of the of the uh, American presidents, and he went for it. And the Russians were in Afghanistan for what we would say today were legitimate reasons. They've got all these uh, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all the Muslim speak uh, religious countries on their border, which mm. were part of the... They didn't want the, the, the invasion of the Taliban and that in there, and they went. And the Americans supplied... Uh, Bin Laden with these mm. launches to shoot them down, and they're using them today. And Afghanistan's still in a mess. Mm. So when you really look at it objectively, we've done some dumb things, and we shouldn't have no more been in Afghanistan. And we boycotted the Olympics. We were given a free choice. Swimming chose to go, but hockey, for example, yeah. Rick Charlesworth to this day bemoans the fact that the chocolate hockey executive voted six to five not to go. And he said that was the best men's team that they had ever had. Australia and would have romped mm. the gold medal in as a player. We had him uh, in the yeah. studio for one of these chats not long ago. And yes. he, uh, 
he reflects on it the same way. Yes. Yeah. No, no, as, that a, was as a massive lost opportunity. A, a lost opportunity which achieved nothing. Mm. It didn't because the, boy, the the Soviets boycotted the the Los Angeles Games in '84 just as a tit for tat. Mm. It was just absolutely absurd, and they were devastated. I've sub- subsequently since the freeing up of a. Of of communications in the in the ex Soviet countries yep. with the players, and they were beside themselves because they didn't know till the week before that they were going to be pulled. Yeah, Tom, I want, I want to ask you about uh, drugs and sport. We have to head to a break, uh, but after that, sure. particularly around uh, the Asada uh, peptides uh, scandal that, yes. uh, that 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 gripped Australia for really yes. a few years. Uh, over the last uh, few years. I know you've had some strong things to say about that, so I want to get you to revisit some of that, if you wouldn't mind, after a break. Tom Hode is our special guest on this edition of WA's Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day. WA's family-owned funeral directors. And welcome back to... Where have you got all this from? What's all these stories? Yeah, oh, we do I mean, our research here, Tom. Anywhere. You've obviously <laughs> done your homework. You must have rung up 20 oh. people to get every piece of dirt on me now and the man. Oh, yeah. No, we're very, we're very thorough. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, obviously, we don't just go that, to Wikipedia that. for our research, Tom. Don't you worry. So, uh, yeah, look, with that, I, I, I've got to ask you, I, I'm determined to ask you about, uh, about the issue of, of drugs and sport in the modern era, but uh, there's this great story going back to your hail days mm-hmm. uh, about the time you, uh, you umpired a game of footy uh, from the comfort of your car. Well, the background of that was the headmaster came to me and because I did the whole of summer water polo and swimming and it was hard going up every morning at six o'clock and occasionally I used to first period after lunch on Friday I might have a snooze in front of the, uh, the German class but which he wrapped me over the knuckles for uh, <laughs> the odd occasion. But regardless of that, uh, he said, you've got to do a bit of winter sport, just take a second year uh, or a year, a year nine first footy because I'd had played footy and, yeah. and it was – peeing down rain on a on a thir- Thursday afternoon when we were supposed to play a scratch game and I had forgotten to bring any wet weather gear. And our sport water polo, the referee is outside the field and uses his hands to point or a flag to point in the old days a flag, now just hands, the direction. And whereas the football umpires are in the centre and it was raining, I had no wet weather gear, so I drove my car down onto the... Onto the uh, uh, slope of the of the, the footy oval at Hale School and said, "This is these are the rules, boys." It was absolutely pouring down rain. But when I I had a little Volkswagen and when the little light went out, the arm the indicator went out. That meant the free was going that way and the other way. <laughs> and the other thing was, I had the windscreen wipers going. If I bipped the horn, that was a free kick. And they said, "What about when someone kicks it out of bounds?" And I said, well, in, our, in water polo, if Work you it throw out. it out, no, if you throw it out of bounds, the opposition kicks it back in. And that's since come into football, of course. Mm. If you kick it out on the full, the mm. opposition gets a kick. So uh, the rules were clear and there were no complaints. <laughs> so I refereed that and halfway through it, when the <laughs> rain had ceased to stop, the headmaster wandered down and saw me refereeing the game on the uh, on the uh, from the comfort of my car, uh, <laughs> and uh, had a bit of a giggle about it, but also gave me a rap over the knuckles, which I accepted uh, fairly, I think. Particularly for someone who's spent half their life uh, in water, 
Yeah. Tom, being afraid of a bit of rain. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I didn't have any gear. That's why. <laughs> uh, you set your socks on fire one day. Why did you do that? Well, I don't know. You've got all this. This is uh, stuff that I, I wouldn't normally. If you were going to quiz me, uh, it was it was one of those occasions where uh, at the end of the, the week in the hot summer weather when I was up every morning at 6 o'clock and every day after school and I was euchred and, and the Friday period, uh, either after recess or after lunch, I was showing uh, a German film on television in the library and I uh, dozed off in very while well, the kids were watching the film and they knew enough not to wake me up or to make any noise and uh, I had big rubber soles and it was uh, I had the heater on and my shoes started smoking <laughs> and the worst feature was Sounds that, like you would have been many people's favourite teacher. That uh, class left and another class came in silently and <laughs> sat down and my shoes were still smoking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Now... Look, back to more serious matters. Yes. Um, 2014, Australian sport exploded with a massive drug scandal, probably the biggest yes. one we've ever had. Um, you had some very strong things to say about uh, Asada, particularly the way that they uh, dealt with or, or didn't deal with uh, the issue at the Cronulla Sharks the NRL club. Of course, uh, Essendon, uh, the saga there, dragged on for a lot, and lot longer. And still has, ha- having its repercussions mm. on individuals and that. Why, why were you so outspoken about that? And what was your view on it? Well, it wasn't so much. It was the different standards for the commercial sports where they had big lawyers who could back them up and fight the case and complain and the publicity surrounding it. These people took drugs and were virtually given a rap over the knuckles, particularly the Cronulla saga. And... Uh, if I can give you another, after the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, one of our uh, athletes, we got fourth, the women's team, Kelly Huken, uh, when they go, they get a, a lecture from Asada to say, when you retire from the team, uh, you have to send in a form and say you're no longer in the team uh, and you're not subject to random drug testing. And uh, she, the kids, when apparently you leave the room after the test, 90% of the forms are still on the desk. The kids yeah. don't take them for four years' time. They wouldn't even know where the forms were. And she had an out of uh, – she got a request. She her, The coaches said she, she had a, 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 a dodgy shoulder. She didn't have it operated on when they cut and snip, and it's not a very good operation. It's, it invariably doesn't work. She, she would have to pull it out of the team. And she said, well, I'm studying engineering at University of WA, which is a, a – a, well, she was one of the few women then doing engineering, and she was in fifth year, and she got an out-of-season uh, uh, random drug test for – the next day, because they still have her address. And she said she had an examination on. So she just said, I'm no longer on the team. I'm just not going to go to it. I got the exam, didn't Mm. have time to reply. And off she went to the exam. She got two years, not for taking drugs, for not filling in the form and saying she was no longer in the national team and therefore... uh, No need for her to even do it. to, to do it. So they gave a two year ban... Also, she wasn't allowed to play in our club, and she was a fantastic player, perhaps the best woman, uh, second best women's player in Australia. And to me, that 
the hypo- hypocritical difference between that because we were an amateur sport and mm. these are the rules and Asada enforced the ban. We then, her father then took it to the sp- sport and whatever the, yep. the, the... You didn't have the clout to the, fight it in the same the way that they did. It. Yeah. And the Cronulla people got a rap over the knuckles and the whole Essendon saga, and I mean, that is complicated. I appreciate that. And there have been some tragedies emanating from it. But it was also treated differently. Yeah. And yeah. that was my uh, thing, and that the amateur sports were so strictly uh, controlled and the professional sports. So uh, I'm not a fan of Asada. Their, their yeah. standards have been different. And unfortunately, Tom, we have to leave it there. It's I been promise. great uh, hearing some of your many, many stories. We could talk for hours, I'm sure. Have you got a book coming out or anything? No, <laughs> not at all. Get onto it. <laughs> Tom Ho, thank you very much for Pleasure coming in and sharing pleasure. your inspiring story here on 882 6PR. Everyone has a story to tell. This one has been brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.